1: Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd.
2: Last week we were in Philippians chapter 1 and we ended on verse 14 and we're going to begin there again today. And I'll remind you of some of the things I talked to you about last week and that is that God had put it in Paul's heart to go to Rome. Paul didn't create that. His desire was to go there and minister and to spread the gospel in what was then the seat of power, the center of the known world was Rome. Paul had a plan in his heart, he had a plan in his mind, but you know what? His plan was to go to Rome much in the same way he had visited other countries. A slow, arduous journey through many cities whereupon he would disciple believers and spread the gospel to the others and make his own way gradually to Rome. And thereupon arriving, he would have a ministry plan to reach out to others, to minister the truth to others. But God had a different plan. And God's plan is the plan that we are called to. You know, the glory of a Christian is that we are God's children and we do not create our own plan, but that we walk in the plan and the purposes of God. Whether we recognize those or not. And this is the key of of whether we live a victorious life or not. So we choose to recognize that we're part of the purpose and plan of God. Paul arrived in Rome, all right, by way of Jerusalem, which was not his plan at all. He arrived in Rome in chains and imprisoned. After two years in prison in Caesarea, he is now imprisoned in Rome itself. This was not Paul's plan. I think it's kind of funny that Paul arrived at Rome at the expense of his enemies, that they literally carried him there. And not only that, they gave him room and board once he arrived. Isn't that interesting? Now, Paul never planned that, but that's what ended up happening. And he arrived in Rome, and it would seem that Paul's ministry was dead. It would seem that it was ended, and that this man of boundless energy and determination to go forward and spread the gospel has now been chained. But Paul didn't lose any momentum in the work, because you see, they may have imprisoned Paul, but they didn't imprison Paul's God. And Paul's God had a plan. And it was going to be seen through. You see, it was never Paul's work. It was God's work. It was never Paul's life. It was, it was the ministry of Christ's life in Paul. It was never Paul's message. It was the message of the Spirit of God through Paul. All of this depended upon the one it should be depended upon. It depended upon God Himself. Not upon how well Paul planned or how strong Paul could be. Or how much influence Paul had? You see, if it had been a methodology, it would have died. If it had been a program, it would have ended. If it had been about the determination and the and the the boldness of Paul, it would have been contained and stopped. But they didn't stop Paul. The thing we have to realize is that we're not essential to the plan of God. We're not essential to the plan and purposes of God, but we are made to enjoy the plan and purposes of God. You see, this is coming down to the crux of what it means to be a Christian. You see, we have the joy and the security and the hope of knowing that we're not laid vulnerable to the plans and to the, to the working of men, but that we're literally kept by the plan of God. Do we understand? Do we, have we really embraced the truth that this physical world has only one purpose, and that purpose is to illustrate the truth of the spiritual? That the physical world is secondary to the spiritual reality? And that we, as Christians, are in a plan. We were born to a plan. We were born to a purpose. And we were created in that purpose. And for us, the fulfillment of the Christian life is for us to embrace that. To embrace it through obedience. To embrace it with a willingness of heart. To embrace it out of our love for our Savior. To embrace it in such a way that now life is our nurture and not our enemy. That's the way God intended it. You see, the the truth of the matter is that Paul was never thwarted by prison, but Paul was advanced by prison. Paul was never set aside by God in his attempt to serve God. That would have been true if the source of the work of Paul was Paul. But see, it was never about Paul's life. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, he said, It's not my life, it's his life. Now, if Paul were to set up a ministry plan, and you know, I suppose that he probably did. What I'm going to do when I get to Rome, what my desire is once I get to Rome, how I'm going to proceed. What would be his plan? We're going to kind of suppose a little bit. I think he would want to spread the gospel in the most inaccessible areas, the areas where the brethren had not been able to get into, probably the areas of power. He would want to spread the gospel there. In Romans 15:20, Paul says, Thus my ambition has been to preach the gospel, not where Christ's name has already been known, lest I build on another man's foundation last week we talked about the fact that when Paul arrived he was chained to the imperial guard now the importance of this knowing this, the praetorian guard is that they were one of the most influential powers in Rome itself they were a chosen select group of soldiers who had access to the emperor himself and to his family that were constantly in the presence of influential men and they were the bodyguard, the personal bodyguard of the imperial family and of the of the people of power and they depended upon them they depended upon them so much that in fact they they relied upon their influence to enforce the emperor's power in areas where, where there was ill content where there was problems in fact it is said that later in Roman history that they were called upon to be a part of the selection of the emperor And if they they didn't enforce, if they didn't actually come behind the emperor, the emperor was without power. That's how influential these men were. And here's the thing I, I told you last week. Here's the truth of it. These men were chained to Paul with a change of guard every six hours, which means they had a different guard every six hours chained to him. A different imperial guard every six hours. And Paul was chained 24-7. He was never alone, never had any privacy. So, if Paul's goal was to reach the powerful and the most influential men in Rome, how do you think he would go about doing that? I'm not sure what his personal plan was. But God had a different plan. In fact, God's plan was that he would be chained to those men. He had a captured audience. They couldn't escape the message. They couldn't escape it. Now, another thing that he would do, want to do is he would want to inspire the Christians of Rome to a greater faith and trust in their God. Now, that brings us to verse 14. He says in Philippians chapter one fourteen, continuation of thirteen, he says, And also most of the brethren have derived fresh confidence in the Lord because of my chains, and are much more bold to speak and publish fearlessly the word of God, acting with more freedom and indifference to the consequences. Well, first of all, I want you to see where their confidence is at. It says their confidence is in the Lord, not in Paul, not in Paul's message but in the Lord. You see, they've been awakened to their God, not to Paul. You see, they were empowered by their God, not by the enthusiasm or the determination of Paul. You see, these people have been living in fear of the Romans. That's what's intimated here, and that's the truth of the history of it. The Christians in Rome were afraid of the Romans and had kind of led a subdued lifestyle. And in speaking about their fear of the Romans, I want to kind of give you a little preview of what we're studying in Thursday night Bible study. We're going to talk about this next Thursday. The truth of fear is that fear is a form of worship. The Bible literally tells you not to fear anybody but God. Because he says, I'll have no other gods before me. And to fear is is a form of worship. And you know, in religions of the world, the truth is that religions can only inspire worship in men to the degree that men fear the God they're worshiping. And God says, only fear me. Now, the fear of the Christian is a reverential fear. It's not a fear of God's, of God's wrath, but it is a reverential fear. And it it's a fear of, number one, of worship. It's a fear taking into account all that He is and His worthiness of worship. These people were scared of the Romans. These brothers were worshiping Rome because their fear of Rome was greater than their fear of God. Greater than their devotion to God. Greater than God Himself. They needed a fresh look at who their God was. They needed a fresh understanding of the power of God. They needed to see the power of God in Paul's chains. They needed to see the love of God in Paul's message. They needed a new revelation. And God brought it to them. He brought it to them in the form of Paul being a prisoner, standing forth in his confidence and boldness in the purposes and plans of Christ, undiminished by his imprisonment or the threat of death. And I said, you know what, there's got to be something to this. Look at the freedom of Paul. In spite of the fact that he is chained, he is proclaiming Christ, and he is in the center, proclaiming Christ in the center of Rome. They no longer feared losing their lives because they were in Christ. Their focus had changed. They no longer saw the chains as an impediment. They now saw them as access. Psalm 40, verses 2 and 4 is one of my favorite psalms. It says, He drew me up out of a horrible pit, a pit of tumult and destruction, out of the miry clay froth and slime. He set my feet upon a rock, steadying my steps and establishing my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many shall see and fear, revere and worship. There you have that definition. And put their trust and confidence, confident reliance, confident reliance in the Lord. Blessed Happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who makes the Lord his refuge and trust and turns not to the proud or to the followers of false gods. In that psalm, he speaks of a firm foundation, not a slippery one. He says he's removed my feet from the miry and slippery and slimy clay. Now let me ask you a question. Do you live life feeling like at any moment your feet might slip out from under you? Do you find yourself constantly in fear of what circumstances or man may bring to you? When this individual put his focus upon the Lord, the Lord lifted him out. It doesn't mean that in truth for us Christians that that our foundation changes. It means that we recognize that Christ is our foundation. And when it says He put a new song in my mouth, when He put praise in my mouth, it means that His confession has changed. And when he says that I have confidence and reliance upon the Lord, it is a determination of the will that says, I will no longer trust in the methods of man. I will no longer trust in what I can throw together or the self-protection that I can put together. I am confidently going to go boldly forth and trust in Him. For He will be my life, and I will affirm that in praise. I will affirm that in confession of truth. You see how this psalm reflects the the change in the Philippian Christians, the brethren, who once stayed in their homes in fear, but now they're boldly coming forth in confident testimony of truth? How did that change? How did that change? It changed because they determined to change their focus from their circumstances to their God. They determined to believe the Word of God and what it says about Him. They were determined to be confident in His deliverance. And when they do that, listen, here's the neat thing. When you decide that Christ is your life, and you change your focus from this world and all that's going on, and you put it on Him, then suddenly you realize that your life is no longer vulnerable to the world, but securing Him. And your message now becomes the message of truth that you live, rather than the message of fear and lack of hope. Okay, so Paul wanted to preach to the powerful and the influential in Rome, and God made them Paul's captive audience. Paul wanted to disciple and awaken the brethren in Rome to truth in order that they might repent of their fears and go forward in confidence. And God accomplished that through the testimony and the powerful undiminished confidence of Paul. And now, let's take a look at another ministry goal that Paul probably had, and that was to spread the gospel throughout the capital of Rome, which was a huge place for a lot of people. So, how was God going to accomplish that? Well, that brings me to verse 15, and you're probably wondering, what, how, what does that mean? But look at verse 15. Some, it is true, actually preach Christ the Messiah for no better reason than out of envy and rivalry, party spirit. But others are doing so out of a loyal spirit and goodwill. So you can see here how Paul's imprisonment even provokes the carnal Christians to get out there and spread the gospel. Because we need everybody on board. (laughs) You know what? Isn't it wonderful? These guys don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. And they're out there spreading the gospel with a whole different motive than the others, but God has enlisted them. And He's going to accomplish His purpose, and He will do it. And you say, can God use a carnal Christian? Well, I can bear testimony. How about you? He can use whoever. The purposes of God will go forward. Know this. The purposes of God will go forward. Will you surrender to the plan of God? Will you embrace the truth that He has a plan for your life? Or will you live in fear and doubt? Will you constantly try to hold your life and protect your life? Will you relinquish your life to Him? That's the question. These carnal guys... They thought they were doing one thing, but they were actually doing another. See, the carnal are blinded by pride, so they can't see God putting them to work. They believe they're actually working against Paul. And they would be if Paul, like them, was trying to build and protect an image. But it wasn't about Paul's life. Remember Galatians 2.20 again. I've been crucified with Christ in him. I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live. They can't fight me. It is no longer I who live. They're not fighting me. But Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. Who are they fighting? They think they're fighting Paul. But in reality, that envy, that that pride, that selfish stance that's going on within them is not fighting the message of Christ in the world. It's fighting the message of Christ in them. The purpose and the plan of God is going forward. It's not thwarted by their rebellion. It's not thwarted by their selfishness. It's not thwarted by their self-protection. It's going forward. So who are they fighting against? They're fighting against their own good. They are fighting against their own life. That's who they're fighting against. You see, these people were motivated by envy and jealousy. The same thing that provoked Joseph's brothers to throw him in the well and brought Joseph to the throne through prison. The same reason that the Jews handed Jesus over to the Romans for execution and brought salvation to the world. They had their agenda. Let me ask you a question. Who was getting blessed and who was getting punished? Philippians 1.16 talking about these he says the latter being the brethren proclaim Christ out of, the, out of love because they recognize and know that I am providentially put here for the defense of the good news the gospel these brethren that he's speaking of here are proclaiming Christ out of love for Paul and that's because they've changed their focus and they have had a revival of heart They're not sitting home in fear, worrying that what happened to Paul might happen to them. Because now they see Jesus as their life, they have no fear. They're going forth and boldly proclaiming out of the liberty that is in theirs in Christ. They can see the hand of God. Now, listen, if they couldn't see the hand of God, they would still love Paul, but they'd have a whole new change of strategy. What would that be? Well, you look at the detractors. You look at the enemies of Paul. How were they trying to hurt Paul? They were trying to hurt Paul by getting out there and spreading the gospel, hoping to stir up trouble for him while he was in prison. So if these people had not had a change of heart, what would they be doing? They would want to be keeping it quiet so they didn't stir up any trouble for Paul while he was in prison. But instead, because they loved Paul, And because Christ has given them a fresh confidence through his life, they're out there spreading the gospel fearlessly. Do you see the irony of that? That the enemies of Paul are spreading the gospel, and the lovers of Paul are spreading the gospel? One plan, two different motives. Whose plan is it? It's God. And I ask you again, who's getting blessed? You see, I believe that God had so arranged that these guys could participate in his plan, but they chose not to. Now, I want to ask you a question. If Paul hadn't been imprisoned, who do you think would be doing all the work? Paul would. And you know what they, the brothers would be saying is, wasn't that a powerful message that Paul brought? Wasn't it wonderful how Paul brought the revival? Didn't it wonderful the way Paul inspired us to go forth and speak? You know, we wish we had the boldness of Paul. He inspired us to go forward, And he's, he's out there in front. And he's leading the truth. But you know what? God brought Paul to Roman chains. So through Paul's weakness, he could demonstrate his strength. And here is the truth of what he's demonstrating. That it's not God in Paul. It's Christ in you. It's not the power of Paul's personality. It's not the efficacy of Paul's plan. It's not the strength of what Paul knew and didn't know. It wasn't the influence of Paul that spread the gospel. Paul could sit in chains and the gospel would go forward because it was Christ in them. And here's the neat thing. It was not just about spreading the gospel. It was about awakening that love relationship between those Christians in Rome and the God that they love. It was returning them to their first love. It was them owning the truth of their salvation. Them embracing it, and now it's real to them. Oh, they love Paul, all right, but they're out there expressing the truth of their hearts, not the truth of Paul's heart. You see, that's where it changes for us Christians. We can come to church and participate in all manner of godly work, but it becomes real to us when we embrace the truth of Christ in us as life. When we decide to choose Him moment by moment. Come to Philippians 1.17. He says, But the former preached Christ out of a party spirit, insincerely, out of no pure motive, but thinking to annoy me, supposing that they are making my bondage more bitter and my chains more galling. I mean, the irony of that is just incredible to me. Same plans, different motives. But Paul's friends are being blessed. They're being blessed because they've entered into the truth. Listen, child of God, when you determined to walk after the flesh, you blinded yourself to the provision of God. You have married yourself to your own failed plan, and you can't see how rich the blessing is for God. God may lead you into the, to the green pastures that you might fill yourself with the truth of His love, but all you will be able to see is what the world's eating. Look what they have to eat. Look at all that they're eating. Look how look at the abundance of the world. Father, why can't I have some of that? Your greatest provision is in Him. He would lead you into a place where you could be filled with truth and be fulfilled as a Christian by standing in the truth that God is sovereign, that God is love, that He holds you together by the word of His power. And that word is, I love you. You are mine. I will keep you. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. We see a lot of that today, don't we? That's the mind of the flesh. Sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You can be a Christian and live out of that mind of flesh. Did you know that? But you know what that is? It says right here, Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Not a little bit of death, not a portion of death, but it is completely death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace. What's the soul? Mind, will, and emotion, the center of you. Soul peace, both now and forevermore. You have a choice. The mind of flesh or the Spirit of God.
1: Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you.